127 on the mic exists simply as an extension of our college ministry, 127 at FBC Bryan. Our prayer is that this podcast be used in accordance with you belonging and investing into a local body. We hope that this resource is growing in relationship with and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yo, 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 what it do, podcast crew. You know what I thought was interesting? Um, no. Okay, good. People call me DJ Snack and you DJ Caleb. DJ Caleb. But no one calls you any sort of DJ, even though you're the one that runs the soundboard. That's that is a weird thought. Isn't that weird? Behind the scenes. That's wild. I just I'm, thought of that. I make the tunes. Make the tunes tuning. I push the little slideies up and down. I hit the little buttons. Like like watch. Caleb, try to talk. <laughs> Nothing. He's talking in the room, but you don't hear him because I control his voice. Now now talk, Caleb. Yo. 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 And, and then now talk, Caleb. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty impressive. That what, is pretty impressive. What else we got? Yeah. Hey, 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 yo, what a do, <laughs> podcast club. That's, that's the DJ's fault. Is, yeah. is it yours or mine, Zach? What? His voice is higher. My voice. Yeah. My voice is higher. For sure. My voice is higher. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off. Good call. That was good. That was good. Mm. You got Chick-fil-A over there, buddy? I do. You haven't eaten it yet? Yeah, I was going to wait. I didn't want to be munching on the... On the podcast, mountain. I I was gonna say something. You you mentioned that that DJ thing. What aren't there yeah. things that it's like? Why do we why do we walk on? Uh, I'm blanking. Mm. You know, like I know what you're talking about the like the yeah oxymorons kind of yeah like they're called this thing, but they mean the exact you opposite. Walk, or you you park on a driveway, driveway. and you drive, drive on a parkway. Yes. Parkway. Why? Why? Because English is broke. Yeah. Exactly. Why we should all. But learn Greek. Exactly. Please, we need, please not. Koine Greek in in America. Yeah. What would be the best language for America if it wasn't English, do you think? Latin. Latin. Hands down. No debate. Uh Hebrew. The Jews do it better. <laughs> that's the new bumper sticker. <laughs> the Jews do it Jews better. Do better. <laughs> I mean that like that's that's partially true. I mean We we already we were singing the song earlier. I mean God God gave them the language in the I mean, they, they spoke in Hebrew, so the law was in Hebrew. It's true. So you don't agree with Latin. Yeah, I mean, but Latin's a great language. But in Daniel, when it switches to Aramaic so that the world may know, wouldn't that just be the better language? Sure. Aramaic. As long... I'm fine with Aramaic. I'm fine with Greek. I'm fine with Latin. I'm fine with Hebrew. As long as it's not like, I don't know... Park like, on driveways and drive on parkways? As long as it's not English or... Uh, there's some, another one of those. There's more of them. There's some hard languages yeah. to learn. Yeah. yeah. Well... <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Glad you're here. <laughs> oh, man. What's been the... Uh, I guess this is... We, we missed last week because of Thanksgiving break. Didn't really plan that one out very well. Well played. I was sitting there like, I, I think I'm going to call you on Thursday and just record the phone call. Oh, yeah? Because mm. I was the only one around the, the podcast studio, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody's gone, so... That's what uh, Becoming Something did during quarantine. Yeah. yeah. Quarantine cold calls. Yeah. Cold Matt. calls with... Matt Chandler. <laughs> Did they do a Matt Chandler episode? I yeah, don't remember did. that one. They did. Mm. Fun. Matt Chandler what? brought the heat on Sunday, by the how, way. How was y'all's Thanksgiving? It was good. It was yeah. good? Yeah. Had one of my roommates back in my hometown for Thanksgiving. Yeah? Who that? Cody Elsie. Cody Mohamedou? Yeah. Nice. His car's broken down, so. Yeah. Go back up here and brought him. So 
Yeah, he, he finally told me. I didn't even know, but he has siblings now. I yeah. I didn't know this that he has just, three siblings. This, this is the Cody episode, guys. I'm his roommate, by the way, and for I've been living with him years? for now three years, and this is the first time he's told me he has siblings. So yeah. I feel like that conversation's brought been brought up, too, which is the funny thing. I'm going to break this. Don't break it. We just fixed just it. Just watch. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, Speaking of breaks and things like that, mm-hmm. we're about to, go on, about to go on another one. Christmas. Christmas break. Man, uh, I love Christmas break. I guess I'll throw this out there now. Bring if, it. If you're wanting to be on the podcast, mm. we have an idea. It's a, it's an okay idea, I think. Um, 12 Days of Christmas is coming back, but in a different fashion. So yeah. last year we did the numbers. This year we're thinking about doing quick episodes again, but we're going to draw random names, which I think we do it this Sunday. I think we have. I think we do it at study nights. Yeah, I like that idea. I think if you're at study night, you can put your name in a hat when we're recording. Okay. And then we just draw it random and we just okay. interrupt what you're doing and you come into the podcast room. I like that idea better. And so that way you, we're going to say, hey, we're recording six episodes this day in like three hours and six episodes this day. You have to be here for study night. To put your name in a hat. and then Put your name in a hat and then we'll draw it. And if we draw your name, you come right be in. Be ready. And yeah. uh, we'll pick a topic right then. Random topic. Yep. It'll kind of put you on blast, but also it's kind of... There'll be some lighthearted ones, and so if you're a baseball fanatic, we'll probably talk about baseball. We gonna do a draft for them too, or no? Quick, like rapid draft. We could do rapid yeah. draft because I mean these have to be really quick episodes. So. Yeah, like fifteen tops, and so um, maybe twenty. Just we'll see what happens. Get their personality out real quick. Yeah. Okay, get it out. Get the personality out. You yeah, know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but carry on. Does Jesus call us to lose our personality? To, for no, what? no, no. Well, it depends. I hope not. In in some cases, if your personality is sinful, sinful, yeah, yeah. yeah which I mean, all of us, we at are at some at some rate, yeah, yeah. All of our personalities are sinful in ways. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, today is going to be less. Uh, we'll see what happens. I was going to say less question focused um, and more just discussion. But we're talking about the cost of following Jesus. I think that's a big topic that. Is just thrown around the idea of the cost of following Jesus. You've probably heard it before, yeah. If you've been in the the church circle, and so, um, what does that even mean? What is what is a cost of following Jesus even even mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to put it in terms of you know business or sports things. I mean, you think about you know event a house. Business. <laughs> you you, you want to buy a house, right? You you just got married. You want to buy a house. And you have to sit down and, and think about what's your budget, how much can you afford, I mean, what are the things that are maybe your your non-negotiables in buying a house. This is what I have to have, and this is what I'm willing to pay for, and this is how much that's going to cost me. And I think following Jesus is, the, the cost of following Jesus is very similar in that following Jesus, there are some non-negotiables. There are some things that you are going to be called to do because God is holy, and those who follow him um, must obey that they're called to obey and so there are some non-negotiables and it's a high cost and so i think when we when we say what's the cost of following jesus we we really are trying to figure out what are the things that i must do in order to be a genuine follower of jesus now again what i'm not saying is that i have to do these things to be a follower of jesus that's that's not grace but what i am saying is that when you are in a relationship with christ and you are following him, there are going to be some things that he calls you to do in order to be separate from the world. That's really the main idea of, of the cost of following Jesus is that you would be set apart 
for his glory and for the good of the nations. Hmm. Are you setting up your story about Luke 14 over there, Caleb? Maybe. Something like that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. You you mentioned non-negotiables. What what are those? I guess just for the for the people. I mean, obviously fighting sin. You look at um all of Romans. We were just talking about it earlier, but when you know Jesus, you are called to um be sanctified in your life. You're called to day in and day out grow um away from sin and towards Christ. Um that's one I think too that I think is also a non-negotiable is to meet with him every day. Um, you, you really can't be in a relationship with anybody. Um, try try being in a dating relationship. I wouldn't know, but try being in a dating relationship. Pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> Friendly fire. It shot himself. Try, try being in a dating relationship and only talking to her once a week. It's not going to go well for you. Yeah. Um, you you need to meet with with God more than just once a week, every single day, and I think that includes both in the Word and in prayer. Um, and again, I think those are just a few of the non-negotiables, but we, we could go on and on over, you know, what are some more, I think. Yeah, that's good. Why, why do you guys think there has to be a sacrifice for us to follow Jesus? I mean, Jesus seems all, all cuddly and teddy bearish and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm saved by grace through faith. It sounds awesome. Like, why, why does there have to be a sacrifice if, you know, he set me free and I'm made new and, and all these things? Um, because the Bible says that there will be, I can we just play the Bible card. Um, to be a Christian, literally, it means that you're Jesus with skin on. You, you were left on this planet to do the same things that Jesus would do if he was still on this planet. Mm-hmm. And the challenge of that is, is that Jesus is most known. If you were to look at the representations of Christ across all of the world, secular or religious, the image that is most displayed of Jesus is him on a cross. Mm. And so you can't go, I want to be a, I want to be a Christian and be like Jesus and not hold on to the thing that is most elevated about his character and his nature. Yeah. And so that should just be the conscious cheat reminder of if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'll do the things that he did in his he, he came to serve and not be served. He came to seek and to save the lost. He can't, there's a lot of these things that he came to do, but he ultimately laid down his life for somebody who wasn't deserving of that sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're going to look at Jesus, you should see the cross. And when you see the cross, you should go, oh, there's a cost. Because if, if my relationship with Jesus hinged on what he did for me, paid the ultimate cost, then I should then be doing something in return. Yeah. Um, and he does call you to lay down your life. That's not a biblical call to die, but that is a biblical call to put down your selfish desires and allow them to be replaced with what God wants for your life, which as you read scripture would go, that plan is better anyway. I just mm-hmm. don't understand it and know it, but it's probably going to require me to sacrifice things that either I selfishly want and have put on a high value um, or things that I don't even know yet that maybe he's calling me to, but that's what the call is as a mm-hmm. As a Jesus with skin on, that's what it is. Yeah, I think, again, like, I mean, it really just boils down to the one fact that following Jesus is not about you. Mm-hmm. Following Jesus is not about you. A lot of times we think that when we we believe in Jesus that he just wants to make our life better and that he wants to bless us and that we're not going to have any more trouble and that we're going to be secured to an eternal life. 
uh, where, where there's no more mourning and there's no more pain, which, which all of those things are true. God does secure us to eternal life. But following Jesus again, it's meant to um, give glory to God, that your life, when you follow Jesus, would begin to look like Christ. I mean, that's what John hinted at it earlier, but Luke 14 um, says, now in, in verse 26, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And if you skip down to verse 33, Jesus says, So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And again, he's using hyperbolic language there to say that not that you shouldn't, not to say that you should hate your your family, not that you should hate your wife or your your brothers or your sisters or your children, but that the old scheme of life, the the old sinful pattern of life has been done away with. And so all of the priorities and um, desires and things of that old life have passed away. You have been bought, not just to, to eternal life, but you've been bought to follow Jesus in your actions. Um, and so, you, so your life has to be drastically different. You have to renounce all of the things of the world and live for all of the things of Christ. And so I think, again, it goes back to those non-negotiables. Rather than, than um, desire the fleeting pleasures of sin— we're going to fight sin, and we're going to put sin to death. Rather than, than meeting with God once a week and, and only coming to God when we need Him, we're going to meet with God because our life is now about Him and not, not about what we want. Uh, and the same thing with prayer. Rather than, than asking God in prayer for only the things that we want and that, that make us happy and that, that satisfy our flesh, we're going to pray to God because we want Him to change our life to, to be a witness to all of the people around us. And- to, to benefit all of the people around us for his glory and for their good. It's, it's radically different. Yeah. I, I, as someone who maybe is newer to the scriptures, they go to that passage um, and they might read, now great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and said to them. And so he's turning to a crowd, not even just his disciples, right? The crowd of people, and he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. How do you explain that to someone who is in the crowd, is in um, maybe just on on the newer end of being a believer, doesn't fully understand this? Like It sounds radical, and it sounds yeah. like I just need to do this because Jesus said it. it's red letters. I, need, I just need to hate them. Yeah. Um, like How do you explain that? Because it obviously clearly says it's the crowds that are... <laughs> That are being spoken to here. Sure. If if I were going to try to convince you of something, uh, I it would be wise of me to present to you the worst case scenario of what you're fixing to walk into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go this way. When when I had my surgery uh, for my neck, and so we got this prognosis that was really scary. I mean, I got a call while I was teaching at a camp. It was like, hey, you just don't move anymore. Don't fall down. You could paralyzed yourself. And, and so we go into the neurosurgeon and this neurosurgeon says to me, Hey, there's a 50, 50 chance I'm going to paralyze you. Those are not good odds. Like I I don't want to lay on a table with that. Um, and then we walk through it and he goes, I've never paralyzed anybody. And if you don't have this surgery now, then this is what your life is going to look like. And so surgery is the best option, but I need to give you the worst case scenario. Mm. 
Um, so if you come out of the other side of this and you're paralyzed, you don't go, oh, I didn't know this was an option. And so what Jesus is saying is extreme and it's radical. And he has the right to, because he's going, I'm calling you to do something that is going to look like hatred of your wife. It's going to look like hatred of your kids and of your parents. And I'm calling you to get on a cross Mm. and have any, I don't know a Christian in my lifetime that's gotten on a cross. I I don't, it's an offer based Mm. off of what Jesus said. And I have yet to run across anybody who has lived a life following Jesus radically that has led to them hating their parents. Mm. Um, it's, it's kind of been the opposite of that. But it, he's not using metaphorical language there. He's going, join me in such a way that as my disciple, the cost of discipleship is realizing that you're probably, or I may call you to pay what you consider to be the highest price relationally and the highest price physically, and I have the right to do that. Are you in? That, that's really yeah. just all it's saying. I'm, I'm, I want to take it to its extreme. Hey, kill your son. Mm. And we read that story, and I, you know, as having a kid, and I could look at my son and go, uh, yeah. I, I don't think I got that faith right now that I'm even starting the journey up the mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. But, but in that, because we, even when we read that story of Abraham and Isaac, and we go, he got all the way to that point of being ready to kill his son. What did he think God was going to do? Mm. And ever, most theologians are going to go, he believed that God could raise him from the dead. And so even if he killed him and he went through with it, which he thought that's what God was calling him to, that was the most extreme. He thought God was good enough and powerful enough at that point to go ahead and bring him right back. Mm. And, and so it wasn't even that act of losing his son. He thought God would give him right back to him. That is what God is calling you to because it's worth it and he needs to know that you're in. And that's, is it challenging? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that, oh yeah, this should be easy for anybody. Yeah. It, it's not. Um, and the life that he's calling you to is not. But but Jesus is right in using extreme language by going, this is what it could cost you. Mm. Yeah, I think when I read that, and I, for, for someone that maybe is newer to the scriptures, and like you said, it says that great crowds come to him and he's he's saying... Again, this if, if if anyone does not hate his mother or father or wife or brother or sister, he cannot be my disciple. And I think um, the reader should arrive at this natural place where they realize that that is impossible, right? It, it's impossible for me to, if I, and again, these were crowds, these were Jews. They were, they were taught from the beginning um, the, the law. You shall honor your mother and father. You shall honor, honor your mother and father. So naturally... Good Jews that are, were in the crowd should have heard that and said, uh, that, that's impossible. How, how can God be calling me to hate my mother and my father? And so I think the, the idea there is supposed to be that the cost of discipleship without Christ or without the Spirit, it, it's supposed to be impossible. You cannot be his disciple apart from his Spirit. You yeah. cannot. But because you have the Spirit, you have the ability to, to do these things the way that John was saying as a disciple. And so, yes, discipleship is meant to be hard. With the, apart from the Spirit, it's impossible. But with the Spirit, it's, it's now possible. And it's again, it's not supposed to be easy. This is supposed to be a, a hard call. Because again, why, why is discipleship so hard? Why, why is following Jesus so hard? Because you have to renounce, again, all of the things that you lived for before knowing Christ. All of your, your pride, it, it needs to be rebuked and, and submitted into humility. 
all of your selfishness needs to be rebuked into love and compassion for others. All of your your stubbornness and your um, your hatred of God needs to be turned into love and mercy. And so all of these things, it, it's difficult because you're having to change, and it's not your own doing, but your your whole nature is being changed from the flesh to the spirit. Just read Romans 8. <laughs> <laughs> and then try to understand it. Yeah, good luck. That... Uh, where he keeps going and, and sort of mentioned this in, in 14, 13, the absolutes that Jesus uses here, um, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all cannot be my disciple. Mm. Um, and so he's like, everyone, all of it. And so he's not going, I need a few of you to give me 80%. I need a few of you to give me 60. And if we can, if we can combine our resources, we're good. Yeah. That's, that's not his call. It's you are not my disciple unless it's 100%. We, we don't allow you to step into and be like, are you a 70% disciple? Uh, you passed. Congratulations. 2%. Um, that, that 30% that you've left on the table, not really that big of a deal here. But what Jesus is saying is what I'm putting on the table, if this is a contract, you are not allowed to negotiate with. Mm. You sign it or you're out. And John 666, you would go, oh, they heard and saw some things and they went, this is too hard for me. And, and so it's, it's kind of him to go, this is how hard it could be. Yeah. It's not a guarantee that it's that hard. And again, I, I haven't, I've seen some people walk through difficult things. Yeah. Not to the cross yet, but it could be. We know stories of it. I mean, it's not that it's not written that way. And we, it's not that disciples didn't get to that point. It's not that people now still aren't killed for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the cost that he's calling us to, which brings about a valid point when you think about it. Like following Jesus in Bryan College Station is really easy. In fact, a lot of times mm-hmm. it's the cool thing to do. And so when we say the cost of following Jesus, most of you, you go, I'm going to have to tithe. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what you go to instead yeah. of open up, go to the Joshua Project, go to Fox's Book of the Martyrs and just read what modern day people are going through. They're literally people that are being skinned alive for Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And they know that's the cost. Mm. When they, when they denounce their Muslim faith and become a Christian, they know that more than likely they're going to be murdered. And that's not a thing that we call people to here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's out there. And we've, we're blessed. Hear that. Like American Christianity, there's, I hate that term, but the fact that our church functions where it is, we have a unique safety net kind of over us. I don't know how long it's going to last. There's part of me that's like, hey, bring it. This will be more fun this way. <laughs> um, the, the podcast takes on a whole different flair at oh, that yeah. point. We're recording like, it in a different room. podcast um, on the battlefield. In the tribulation. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but what Jesus is saying really clearly, you don't get to calculate cost here. You don't get to you don't got to try to figure out how to negotiate this contract with being my disciple. It's all of this or you're out. Yeah. It's a challenge for us when he uses absolutes. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. Um and sure. I, think, I think I think the next carrying question is like, is this cost even worthwhile? Like what is yep. what does the other side of this mean for us? I'm gonna get I'm gonna get martyred. I'm this is like the extreme example. I'm gonna I'm gonna die for my faith. Like is this is this worthwhile? Yeah. Um, and even for, for us in this spot, like as a college student, when people ask, man, I have to give a tithe. Is this, is this worthwhile? Is the cost worthwhile? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going <laughs> to, I was going to read it and you're probably going to go there before he drops all of that 14, 14, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteousness of the righteous, not righteousness. Um, and so your, your reward for this 
wrapped up in right perspective of what you have signed up for is that there is there's no cost that you can pay in following me that won't be repaid, pushed down and overflowing to the thousandth millionth fold at the resurrection. Mm. Um, that's Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure yeah. <laughs> um, in a field that a man found and th- that it was covered up and, and his joy that when he uncovers it. Uh, and so there, there's something that's waiting that we can't describe. Maybe talk to our youth pastor, Ethan, who taught on heaven on Wednesday night and see how that went because he was talking about the riches of heaven at the beginning and the, and students were in there just like big eyed, dumbfounded. Mm. I don't even, I can't fathom what you're saying and we can't put into words what it's like. Yeah. Uh, but mm. that rich reward is to come and I wish I could explain it better to you. There's parts of it we could scratch the surface of, but even then you're going to go, that, that may not still sound like it's worth it. Mm. Streets of gold don't sound that cool to me. <laughs> it's a metaphor, Charlie. <laughs> You'll get it one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say a few things that when you mentioned, is it worth it to tithe? Yeah. And if, if, if <laughs> you're is. listening, if you're listening and you want to, you want a reason, I come find me. I'd love to, to tell you <laughs> why in my own life. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> He's keeping it. I'm a resident and I don't make a lot of money and yet I still, it's you really worth it to tithe. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to say that um, there's two books that I, I think are, are good, just teachers of, of what it looks like to follow Jesus and why the cost is worth it. You know, we, we're going to get into Hebrews next semester, and you're going to see in the book of Hebrews that so many times that the writer encourages the people, the believers, to stay in the faith, to not apostatize, to, to not um, lose heart, and, and not to go back in, in their understanding of Jesus because of how worth it it is. And the same thing applies to First Peter, uh, except for in First Peter, Peter's mentioning that all of the believers are suffering, that they're experiencing unjust treatment at the hands of uh, their enemies. And yet in, in 1 Peter 2, Peter says in verse 20, For what credit is it, is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, that is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Um, and so you see there in that, in that section that he's mentioning how they're suffering unjustly, and it's a picture of how Christ suffered unjustly. Um, and if you were to continue to reading in First Peter, he shows us that, that we can do that, that we can suffer. We, we can in, endure in the costs of discipleship, of, of following in Jesus, because, again, like John mentioned, of, of the glorious um, presence waiting for us. And I, and I want to share one verse um, that I've continued to just be amazed by in Revelation. But if, if this isn't a clear picture of why you endure or, or why you uh, follow Jesus and what makes it worth it, then I, I don't know what is at this point. Revelation 22 22 or sorry 21 22 and i saw no temple in the city for its temple is the lord god the almighty and the lamb and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of god gives it light and its lamp is the lamb by its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
Jesus in heaven is literally the basically our light. There, there's not a need for a sun because his glory covers all of heaven. And there's no unclean or no detestable thing. If, if, if you're wondering why following Jesus is worth it, it's because in heaven we will get the glory of God forevermore with no unclean or no detestable thing around it. Yeah. Of course it's worth it. It's a good word. I would even argue, too, it's worth it even now because you get Jesus like in the current moment. Um, and I love as we, we look forward to on the other side of eternity where we get to, to spend forever with him, um, with these glorious riches. But even now, those same things have been, been granted to you mm. in the moment um, as you're walking through the cost of discipleship, um, as you lay down your life for, for the sake of others, but ultimately for the sake of your salvation, you, you put those things to death, therefore. Um, and, and what you get is Jesus. You get mm. the presence of God, um, which surpasses all understanding. It, it sustains you. Um, and it brings you to the completion of your earthly life, which then you're in his glorious presence. Again, no more mourning or tearing or tearing tears or, or crying tearing. or any of that. Um, there's, there's ultimate peace and satisfaction um, that's found on the other side that is now made available to you even now. And so um, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just again, the, the emphasis is always on that he's, um, he's returning. I mean, Revelation, the, the, the second to last verse in the entire Bible says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I hope you realize that that, that verse is not in there just to declare to us that he's coming soon. But that, that verse is in there also to motivate the reader to um, live faithfully to Christ. In light of the fact that he's coming soon, you should endure. You should weigh the costs of discipleship, and you should realize that it is totally worth it to yeah. follow him, to, to, to do what he commands, even though it's hard. Why? Because he's coming soon. And, and that is, is what should motivate you. And he says in the last verse, the grace be with your spirit. Amen. Surely he's coming soon. Amen. Good <laughs> word. You got a meeting to get to, don't you? Uh, we're talking about lights. You know, we got to go talk about some lights. That's fun. Dude, in heaven, we won't need lights. <laughs> That's what I, I need to be like, hey, can we get some of that glory in here so we don't have to worry about reprogramming these lights? Bring the glory in. I need, that, I need that lamb that is the lamp. I need that lamb lamp. <laughs> they probably make those things, too. Somebody's out there lamp. marketing. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Jerusalem. Get your lamb lamp. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Gift shop. And it's going to be slain, too. It's going to be. God. It's gonna have like a, slain a mark lamp? in its side. Oh gosh! Please not have like a bloody Jeez. lamp. <laughs> the, li- the the light is gonna come out of the side. I need a bloody lamb lamp. <laughs> bloody lamb lamp. Hey, get yours here. Grab grab that Paul verse on the way out. I count everything a mm. loss. Mm. Not he's not even thinking heaven. It's right to think heaven. It's right to have the Spirit reveal the treasure that's in the field and what we saw in Matthew thirteen. Go and sell everything you have to purchase the field. It's mm. right to to think that way. But Paul says, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing yeah. Jesus Christ, my Lord. Um, and it, like getting to that point, we're not saying that that's easy, but this is that the idea of, of cost, of counting the cost, is that you get Jesus and so that you don't get to count. Mm. It, it, it's already done for you. Clearly mm. see Jesus and the cost goes away. Yeah. Wow. That's it, folks. Hi-ya. That's all she wrote. Who's she? Who's she? Who's she? Who's she wrote? the podcast.
She wrote it? Who she wrote? <laughs> See another... Oh, gosh, don't. <laughs> oh, no. And playing. End scene. Bye. We're excited for uh, some Christmas. Of some of y'all being on here. Coming here. Hang out. Bump. <laughs>